Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. All right, the Celtics go for their 10th straight win against the Lakers tonight as Kyrie and Lonzo meet for the first time. Celtics, however, will be shorthanded. We'll tell you who's out for Boston tonight. And speaking of the Ball family, D'Angelo was released on bail after an alleged arrest for shoplifting. We'll bring you the latest on his legal troubles in China. And Jerry Jones' dispute with Roger Goodell has taken an even more personal and serious turn. We'll tell you what Jerry is planning to do next. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here are your six biggest stories today. We'll get to the Giants reportedly looking to draft a franchise quarterback in next year's draft. But first, let's get started with two of the oldest rivals in sports squaring off later tonight. Yeah, for some odd reason, we've been promoting the first game of our doubleheader as Lonzo Wednesday when Kyrie is the real main attraction on any day ending in Y. He's coming off his first 30-point game as a Celtic with 35 against the Hawks. Helping the Seas to their ninth straight win, the second longest streak in NBA history by a team immediately following an 0-2 a worse start to the season. Celtics, 93.9 defensive efficiency over those last nine. However, they'll go for 10 in a row without Al Horford, who has entered the concussion protocol after first experiencing symptoms this morning. Horford, who has a double-double in his last two games, has the fourth-best plus-minus in the league at plus-99, while averaging 9.2 rebounds a game, his most in five seasons. As for Lonzo, good news is at least he's actually shooting these days because since attempting only two field goals against the Blazers on Thursday, he's jacked it a combined 28 times his past two games. Now, the bad news is he's only made six of them. Ball is averaging just seven points since going for 29 back on October 20th. And for the season, connecting on 29.9% of his shots and 23.4% from three. Now, Doris Burke, uh, we know your jumper is still wet. Uh, Lonzo Ball ranks last in, sh- in shooting percentage among rookies who average at least two shots in 20 minutes per game. So how can he reverse this trend? Well, you know, I asked him what Luke Walton's message has been to him, both number one about the struggle shooting the basketball, but two, that balance between being aggressive as a scorer and making sure he takes advantage of his best skill, and that's his passing. He said two things. He said Luke's message is one, continue to stay aggressive shooting the basketball. One of the things that's happened is people have noticed Lonzo loves to shoot the basketball when he's got the ball in his left hand dribble so now they're sitting on that left and forcing him right which takes away some of that aggressiveness this is part of nba scouting and he said the other thing they're watching a ton of tape trying to determine okay they're going under screens what are all the right reads but listen he's a rookie point guard we know he's an elite passer he grabs any rebound that's in his vicinity but this is obviously one area that he's got to get better doris as for boston how do they compensate for not having al horford in the middle I'll tell you, Michael, it's interesting. I just sat with Coach Stevens, and and Mark Jackson said to him, where will you miss Al most, offensively or defensively? This is a guy who I think because he hasn't rebounded at a very high level since he's been in Boston, some of the fans can get antsy. But this is the guy who makes this team function on both ends of the floor. He's an elite defensive player because he can guard the paint and still get out and make all the right switches and guard on the perimeter. And offensively, he's such a great playmaker. Brad goes, I don't know how to answer that question. He will start up front, Aaron Baines and Mr. Morris. So that's the way they'll go initially. But they will miss Al Horford, Michael, on both ends. All right, Doris, we appreciate the insight. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Thank you. 
All right, staying in the Ball family, Leangelo Ball, Alonzo Ball's younger brother, was released on bail early this morning, along with UCLA freshman Cody Riley and Jalen Hill, in connection with an alleged shoplifting incident in China, where the Bruins are scheduled to play Georgia Tech on Friday. Chinese authorities suspect the three players of stealing items from a Louis Vuitton store near the team hotel. It's unclear if the players will be permitted to leave the country after the game. Here's Lonzo Ball and his father, Labar, on the situation. Lavar, do you have any update on the No, man, I ain't got nothing yet. I'm going to wait till I get some more intel what's going on, then I'll let y'all know what's up. Do you, have, do you have any concern, or do you think everything's going to be okay? Yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Everybody making it a big deal. It ain't that big of a deal. Talking to your brother yet? No, I haven't talked to any of them yet. I know they're all over there in China, you know, taking care of it, so I'll talk to them when they get back. What are your thoughts? I mean, watching this from afar and hearing about your brother and the shop I'm just trying to focus on the game. Has it, has it affected you at all? I mean, I know... No, I know my, my people over there handling it, so I'm over here just taking care of business. You've been able to talk to your dad? And I haven't talked to any of them. All right, now, Arash Marchese, you're covering the team in Shanghai. Uh, first things first, can Leangelo, will he and the other players be able to leave the country, those who are suspected of shoplifting? Uh, Jamel, at some point, but we don't know when right now, the three players were released on bail Tuesday, um, sorry, Wednesday morning, uh, but they have to stay in Hangzhou. They, those three players are staying at a luxury hotel back in Hangzhou, which is about two and a half hours away from Shanghai. Now, they can go around that hotel, they can go to the pool, they can go to the gym, they can go to the restaurant, they can go wherever they want in the hotel. They can't leave that hotel until the legal process plays out. And my sources there say that could take days, that could take weeks, that that could take more. The cautiously optimistic view is that it will just take a few days, and hopefully they can return back home. All right, so what's, uh, what's next in the process here? So they have to figure out, you know, what the punishment is. Again, they were released on bail. The, they have footage of uh, the players shoplifting. According to my sources there, they have footage of that at a Louis Vuitton store. Um, the players have apologized. They have to go through the legal process right now. So whether that's paying a fine or whatnot, that has to play itself out. And again, the hope is that when the teams return home Sunday, that the that these players can go back home too, but they are not with the with the team in Sh- Shanghai. So, again, they can see people if they want to go to Hangzhou, but they cannot leave Hangzhou quite yet. All right, Arash Marquez, we appreciate the insight, man. Thank you. All right, moving on to the NFL. Ezekiel Elliott is not expected to practice tomorrow because he has yet another court appearance related to his appeal of a six-game suspension for domestic violence allegations. Elliott, however, was at practice today. It's entirely possible the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York could decide by Friday on a preliminary injunction that would keep Elliott eligible the rest of the season. For now, Dallas is maintaining a next-man-up attitude. Yeah, I mean, we play for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, simple as that. We have to be able to to focus in, um, to, to be focused on one thing and not worry about the, the things around us. Control, we can control. I mean, we've got all the news, good and bad, you're going to find. So, I mean, it's, it's just part of it. It's been part of this organization for a while. So, and I haven't been in any other franchises, but I just know the, the level or the amount of attention, um, publicity this organization gets is obviously second to none. All right, speaking of publicity, meanwhile, the bigger story involving the Cowboys centers around owner Jerry Jones. As first reported by the New York Times and confirmed by Outside the Lines, 
Jones has threatened to sue the NFL if a contract extension for Commissioner Roger Goodell is approved by the league's compensation committee. Two sources told Outside the Lines that Jones has hired David Boyes, who recently defended Harvey Weinstein against sexual assault allegations. So, Mike, it uh, seems like Jerry is prepared to take this to court, where another one of his players is already uh, dealing with. Uh, is Roger Goodell, though, on his way out? Effectively, perhaps. Officially, I doubt it. Effectively, as in, if he succeeds Jerry Jones in gathering up enough support, then even if he, his contract is approved by two-thirds of the owners, like, how effective can he be if he doesn't have widespread support? When Mr. Rooney informed him and they announced that he was succeeding Paul Tagliabue and being named commissioner, it was 32 to nothing. And they wanted it to be 32 to nothing. They wanted to show uh, unanimity behind him. So if he has certain owners that lack confidence in him, how could he effectively do his job? But let's just talk about Jerry Jones here for a second, who, as Deion Sanders said the other day when talking about Tony Romo, now has a gold jacket that he didn't pay for. See, Jerry Jones, he's even more power hungry and drunk on authority than ever. He's standing up in meetings saying, I'm the ranking owner here. And a lot of other owners like are tired of his Like that's an official title. You know what I mean? But, you know, he's a Hall of Famer now. This isn't his first time suing the league, but really, I mean, he did it a while back. But now he's, he's, he's big mad, as we like to say, because it's not Tom Brady. Uh, it's not the Giants and Josh Brown. It's not Ray Rice. It's his player. This is Mr. Zero Tolerance for Domestic Violence, whose marquee player is being compromised. And we all recognize it as an overcorrection. But where were you when it came to Roger Goodell's quote-unquote poor performance when it wasn't affecting your team directly. I just find it interesting. So let me get this straight. The, the player protest is a distraction, but one of your most high-profile pro, high owners of one of your most high-profile teams potentially suing the league to take and usurp authority from the commissioner. With that's 2021 and labor negotiations right around the corner. That, that's all good. That, right. Of course, that's not damaging the league. Right. But I hear you, and, and that's what is so laughable about him taking such a, a harsh position, because it's so hypocritical when it's not you that you sit there and you stand behind Roger Goodell and you cheer him on as he hands Tom Brady and Bob Kraft and that four-game suspension as Deflategate looks like complete nonsense. You don't say a word there, right. but now all of a sudden you want to rise up uh, against Roger Goodell. And to me, the, the messiness of the situation is what all these parties deserve. And for that matter, for the Twisted irony. I mean, there's probably harsher words I could probably think of for you to hire David Boyes, who right now, who was recently fired by The New York Times because of this undercover, (laughs) completely salacious, ridiculous operation that he was trying to execute against victims of sexual assault. But you're Mr. No Tolerance, right? And he also has history with him because he represented the league. Oh, I get it. How bad of a look is this? You hire that guy. He also was the ad hoc seventh member of the competition committee or compensation committee. Excuse me. They just kicked him to the curb. So he's mad about that. But one last thing on the anthem demonstrations and that being an issue and Roger Goodell not handling it the right way. The president, the vice president, Jerry Jones and Bob McNair have done exponentially more to gaslight that issue than the players ever had. And Papa Johns, too, I guess. Oh, can't forget about him, which he owns 100 of those, right? Right. All right. Uh, The Packers signed Martellus Bennett to a three-year, $21 million contract in March. He gave him 24 catches and no touchdowns this season. And today, Green Bay gave Bennett his walking papers. I'm supposed to be looking at that camera. Uh, Cutting the tight end (laughs) for failure to disclose a medical condition, (laughs) according to Phil Yates. By cutting Bennett with that designation, sets up the Packers' case for a grievance to reclaim the $4.2 million in remaining prorated signing bonus money. So Bennett, who announced Jamel during the Packers' bye week, 
that he was pretty sure this would be his last season. He's already been ruled out of a second straight game because of a shoulder injury, now subject to waivers. But should he just call it a career? It, it, it seems like it because, as they often say, if you're thinking about retiring, then you've already mentally retired. And he not only was thinking about it, he announced it. So this doesn't feel like I know there's been a lot of chatter, especially among Patriots fans, that maybe uh, somehow, some way he can wind up coming back there. But this feels like somebody who has reached a point in their career where they're comfortable with being done. Ten years in, 30 years old, especially knowing we know now about player health. And you're talking about somebody who's an entrepreneur. He's got the imagination agency. Uh, he's an author. He's yep. very thoughtful on social media, on social issues. A natural broadcaster, natural entertainer. So he's got Invitation much more to do here. with his life. Exactly. <laughs> so if I were him, I would walk away. But it's certainly not my money. But it is, it is his body. We know the punishment that these players take. 30 years and 10 years is long enough. We'll see how that story continues to develop. Here's Giants coach Ben McAdoo being awkward. Uh, message to the team, I'll hit it with you. Let's go into it. All right, I talked to the team about getting back to our identity. Uh, sound, smart, and tough to committed to discipline and poise. Uh, that's something I haven't been talking enough about, and we got back to it. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, may think uh, I'm a little bit out there, but I believe we have a run in us. Uh, I believe to the core we have a run in us. We have to be hungry. We have to get our football right. So that was the message to the players. Very inspiring, sir. Josina Anderson, is anybody in the Giants locker room buying what Ben McAdoo is selling? Michael, I would say some players are and some players are. I mean, right after the bye when the team suspended cornerback Janoris Jenkins for violating team rules, that night a player reached out to me unsolicited and wanted to say this anonymously, quote, Ben McAdoo has lost this team. Then he suspends two of our players when we needed them most. He is running our players into the ground, and people are wondering why we've gotten got. And then after that, I followed up with another player, safety Landon Collins, when they lost to the Rams 51-17, to and he told me I don't think Ben McAdoo has lost this team. I have the utmost respect for him. He's doing a great job. We're just trying to figure out where we are. Cornerback Dominique Rogers cromartie said, are we mad as hell that we're losing? Yes, but I don't think this team has fallen apart. But lastly, safety Landon Collins did say that we do need to make some changes on defense. We need to simplify things, get back to our cover two looks like we did mostly last season, and not worry about being predictable. Michael, back to you. All right, JoJo, we appreciate the insight. A huge game Sunday in San Francisco between the Niners and Giants. The latest we've seen two teams enter a matchup in week 10 or later with one combined win since 1984. Both teams trying to keep quote-unquote up with the Browns in what is now a race for the number one pick. And should the Giants get that pick, they'll have done their due diligence on top college QB prospects Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen. A directive according to ESPN given several weeks back by co-owner John Mara. Uh, the Giants drafted Davis Webb in the third round this year, but don't know that he's definitively their heir apparent to 37-year-old Eli Manning. Either way, Jamel, are we definitely coming up on the end of the Eli era in New York? It's time for a clean break for the Giants. I know that. Yeah, yeah it is. I know that Eli has a, a no-trade clause, so that's a huge component of this. But uh, look, I, I think the way this season has gone, what their immediate future looks like, his age. Now is the time. You're going to get a, a top three, top five pick. Maybe, I mean, who knows with the way this season may shake out. You yep. might get the number one pick. And that seems to be a perfect time to go shopping for a franchise quarterback. And if you do, if you're <laughs> Eli Manning, not that a mentor. Take training day. You ain't Lonzo. You're not there to do that. You're 37. You're trying to win still, right? You, oh. You're probably looking at your, your, your brother. 
who went took to his, Denver, who went to Denver, took his last gas mm-hmm. for the team closer to the Super Bowl. Sure. So if you're him, why would you stay? I mean, sure, Jacksonville makes a hell of a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. For example, reunite with Tom Coughlin, but he does have that no trade clause. And if he wants to stay in New York for family reasons or just because he loves the organization, I'd understand that. And I think he could be an effective mentor. See, Jamel, once upon a time, not long ago, when people wore pajamas and lived life slow, <laughs> you used to bring quarterbacks along slowly. You didn't just draft a guy and say play immediately. And once upon a time, Eli Manning, there was a guy named Kurt Warner before he resurrected his career in the desert. He was a starter in New York and got pulled once they wanted to play Eli Manning. So with that much money left on his contract and a no trade clause, if they can't find a, an agreeable position for him to end up in, he may have no choice but to serve as a mentor as most, if not all, aging quarterbacks are. The only thing I would say about this whole report, which, you know, with all due respect to the reporter, obviously, is that the worst time to look for a quarterback is when you need one. So hopefully they've long since been scouting quarterbacks if you're the New York Giants know. because you know his birthday, don't you? You, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. he's 37. You, know he, you, you know should have been looking for happen. your next quarterback a long time ago. And when it comes to Davis Webb, you should have been working him more in the, in the offseason, getting him reps instead of Geno Smith and Josh Johnson. So that said, they for damn sure need to be looking at quarterbacks hard. Anybody with a potential top pick or even beyond that should be looking at a quarterback because you never know how far they drop. One of these guys could fall into the 20s, not that they're going to draft mm-hmm. there now, but going into the season, that could have been the case. And you certainly can't count on the next guy starting 208 consecutive games. No, you So can't. whether Eli's actually finished or this is a product of everything falling apart around him or not, you still need to be getting a younger guy waiting in the I wings. don't know if you want the circus uh, of having Eli versus the younger guy. And if you're Eli, do you really want to stay there in New York until you get 137 years old. 137 <laughs> years old. <laughs> All right. Uh, Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl is not only reportedly refusing to cooperate with the school's internal investigation into his program, the school officials have told him that if he doesn't cooperate, he could lose his job. So he has to be fired. <laughs> Basically, according to a report by Paula Levine and Mark Schleyball, who we'll speak to in just a moment. Pearl has refused to speak with school attorneys, and the university has been unable to determine if Pearl committed any NCAA violations because the FBI seized his computers and cell phones. This is all related, of course, to the arrest of former Auburn associate head coach Chuck Person, who was indicted on six federal charges yesterday as part of a larger federal probe into college basketball corruption. Uh, Mark Schleyball. You join us now. There you go. Uh, Why do Auburn's lawyers want to talk to Bruce Pearl? Well, Jamel, they want to determine whether or not he had knowledge of what Chuck Person is accused of. Person is accused of accepting more than $90,000 in bribes to influence Auburn players when it came time for them to choose shoe companies, agents, financial advisors. He's been unwilling to talk to them about that. Person is also accused of giving about $18,000 of that money to the parents of two Auburn players. The school has suspended Daniel Purifoy and Austin Wiley, two of their returning starters, haven't yet determined their eligibility for Friday's opener against Norfolk State. And part of the recertification process, they want to talk to Pearl. He's been unwilling to talk to them for whatever reason. Well, so since he's unwilling to talk to him, now the feds have seized Bruce Pearl's computers and cell phones as part of their investigation. But given that he's 44 and 54 overall uh, during his time at Auburn, given that when they hired him, they thought he learned his lesson from the way he handled things at Tennessee, and he hired him before the expiration of his show cause, like I said a second ago, isn't he more or less suggesting that he has something to hide and is asking them to fire him if he won't cooperate with their internal investigation? Yeah, I don't know what the, his, the reason for his hesitancy is. The, the situation at Tennessee, uh, he was caught not being forthcoming about a barbecue he hosted 
in his backyard for recruits in 2008. He accumulated some other NCAA violations there. Uh, Auburn has told him, look, if, if you don't talk to us, you know, we're going to terminate your contract. And they haven't given him a deadline, but they've made it clear that they're getting pretty close to the time where they're going to make a decision. And sources say it could come before Friday night season opener. Wow. Mm. All right. Mark Schleybaugh with the latest. We appreciate it. Thank you, man. I'm sitting there laying on the ground, like wondering what's next, like what what's going to happen. As I'm being carted off, I have this just like emotions, like am I done? Like is my career over? Like um, obviously the season, you feel like all the hard work you put in to get ready, you know, moving to the new city, choosing this team, that, that kind of is out the window. And so it, you just get like frustrated. All right, so the Celtics, of course, lost Gordon Hayward in the season opener to the Cavs. But... They certainly gained an edge and didn't lose their focus as they rallied, especially on defense, leading the NBA in defensive efficiency, allowing under 96 points per 100 possessions. Definitely a 10-point improvement from their mark last season. And that defense has allowed the Celtics to outscore opponents by 92 in the second half, which is also the best mark in the NBA. Last season, Boston was plus 86 after halftime. That's what Omar was telling us the other night, right? Mm-hmm. Second half team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And who would have thought that that defense would be so stellar with Kyrie Irving, never known for his defense in Cleveland, leading the way for the Celtics. Boston knows all about clutch. He is fourth in the NBA in clutch time points per game at 5.1. How are you going to handle that, Lonzo? I know tonight's going to be fun, you know, basically playing one of the best point guards in the NBA, Kyrie Irving, and then everybody knows about the Garden. And then on top of that, it's Lakers versus, you know, Boston rivalry. So tonight should be a lot of fun. So Paul Pierce is in Boston. No stranger to those parts, obviously. Uh, Paul, in the offseason, when Kyrie, it came out that he had demanded a trade. I, among many people, questioned, well, more, what more could you want? You, you know, you, you're winning, you're going to the finals every year. You're hitting big shots to win the finals. You're averaging 25-plus a game. You, you, they're going to you in the clutch. Why would you want away, especially asking for a trade when you couldn't dictate where you end up? But I also said you ended up in Boston in a great place to grow and develop as a player. So 11 games in, nine straight wins, Paul. Do you think his decision or his demand for a trade has already been validated? Oh, without a doubt. I think he saw something we didn't see in Cleveland. I mean, you look at the way Cleveland start is, he must have knew something internally and wanted to get out of there, wanted a fresh start, wanted to have a chance to come out here, possibly be the man and win with a good young coach and a good young crew. So, you know, he didn't know where he would end up, even though he demanded trade, but... He couldn't end up in a better place than Boston. No question. Yeah, I agree. I was always on board with him making this decision, even though obviously it was risky. I didn't blame him for having the belief in himself to want to go somewhere else and to want to leave LeBron. I think he just wanted more balance. And by that I mean in terms of being consulted within the organization. Oh, you wanted to be on the top of the call sheet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or at least on the call sheet. Okay. He didn't want to be a part, I think, of an organization that was really all about one player, understandably so. So let me ask you this. Uh, Paul, in terms of Kyrie, does he need to win, say, a title or go back to the finals for this to be further di- uh, vindicated? Like Mike mentioned, the record, that's what it looks like right now. But what if they don't get to the finals or, or what if they go against LeBron and he loses? Do you still see his decision the same way? Well, I think he's going to be happy with his decision because if you look at the Celtics in the long run, they're positioning themselves to win for like five, six years down the road. Cleveland, they're the oldest team in the league. You know, who knows what's going to happen with LeBron next year. 
So I think he made the right decision. And if he doesn't make the finals this year, he knows he's going to have the opportunity for the next five or six years with this with the squad he's on now. Yeah, and point of order, I, I started this conversation by asking whether it needed to be vindicated or validated. It doesn't. This was his personal decision. It never mattered what any of us thought about it or whether we believed in him the way that right. he did. He certainly did. It's paying off right now. And you're right, Paul. We'll hear your entire conversation with Gordon Hayward, one of those cornerstone pieces coming up on Countdown. Are they honoring you tonight? Because they don't have this franchise without <laughs> you being traded to Brooklyn. So they should be doing something for you in Boston before the game. <laughs> oh no, that that'll happen February 11th. All right, February cool. 11th, we'll raise we'll raise the number up to the Raptors. All right, looking forward to that, man. Looking forward to you on countdown later. Thank you. Yellowkina three to shoot. Porzingis puts up the three. Is there ever a point at which you don't think you can come back? And what's your mindset? No. Yeah. So tell me about that. Thank you. So never ask a double barrel question. Shout out to John Sawaski. Block that reporter like Cody Zeller. Chris Stapps won't be blocking any shots tonight, however, as he is out against the Magic with a contused right elbow and a sprained left ankle. Uh, meanwhile, in Cleveland, you had Giannis Antetokounmpo put up his second 40-point game of the season, Jamel. Um, as a matter of fact, first player in NBA history with multiple 40-point games while shooting 70% each of his in each, in each game over his first 10 games of a season. Shout out to Elias. So you're talking about the two leading scorers in the NBA right now, Giannis and Chris Stapps. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who would you rather have right now? That's tough. Uh, I've been thinking Just about Just say this. yes. Yeah, no, <laughs> there is no wrong answer. I'm going to say Giannis by hair. Uh, there's something about him that's similar, um, but yet, you know, they, they obviously have their own unique traits. But I will say this. Look, for as much grief as I have personally given Phil Jackson, as you have. As Break up the Knicks. As Knicks, as Knicks fans <laughs> have, at least they can say that regardless of all the dysfunction he caused the franchise, he left them with, with a real piece sure. to, to build something. Um, hopefully that will lead them back to the, to the playoffs. But, you know, I, I didn't know how Chris Tapps, especially given some of the offseason chatter, he seemed to be kind of disgruntled with, with uh, Jeff Hornacek, understandably so. Um, I didn't know how his what his mentality would be approaching this season, and he's just been unbelievable. And to have players so unique yeah. with, between him and Giannis, so a freak and a unicorn. I, I mean, yeah. that, that, this is just a treat, I think, for all NBA fans. You know, to see. And I didn't even me. bring in Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. I was just gonna leave him. Well, no, because I didn't ask Joel I, I, just said, I just said the two leading <laughs> yeah. scores, but, but you know, but that's okay because you gave me a window. Uh, give me an opening. Um, this is tough because you know these are two of my adopted sons here. You know, I was I was with, I was <laughs> the with last time from the beginning. Adopted some sons. I, you talking I'm about Manziel? That's like, <laughs> it's like rim protection and shooting versus right. all-around game, passing, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, perimeter play, ugh, range. It's, it's, it's tough. You know the right answer? The right answer is Joel and B. Right what? answer is B. Even when he doesn't play. How did, that, go, how I, did we come back I, to I never missed an opportunity to shout out the process. He might not even be his he, best, the best player on his own team. Where's, where's, the, ben where's my Simmons Ben Simmons play? video oh, from last night? Oh, Roll my Ben Simmons video, people. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But Trust the process. That's not Joel. Five in a row. No, I just wanted to take this opportunity oh to remind gosh. you. I want you to process this, Jamel. I want you to process this passing. I want you to process Ben Simmons. Are they looking like a young, light-skinned Oscar Robertson? Okay? <laughs> you know what? Five straight wins. And Rudy Gobert was like, stop holding Joel and B back with load management. So... The NBA is in good hands. I know I, 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 know I didn't turned, answer the question. You didn't. You turned all of that around. I didn't around, answer the question. But you don't once again try to pat yourself I, on the back. I just threw the, I'm, glad on, that after, these guys. I'm glad after three or four years, you were finally right. Oh, I, I told you. It was a process. Giannis. <laughs>
Porzingis. NFL inside. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeff Darlington. <laughs> Versatility is the name of the game. Joining us from Miami. Getting uh, back to his roots. You know what I mean? To cover college football. Availability, ladies and gentlemen. It's so, an NFL-like game, man. It's a big game. You know what I'm it's saying? Right. A lot of talent out there, too. You're scouting. So, Andrea Adelson yesterday uh, talked about how Ed Reed is going to come back and speak to uh, the U players, motivate them. A lot of times when these types of old-school rivalries start to rekindle, the players will say, right. hey, that was, that's got nothing to do with us. Or, or that, that, was, that, was, that was a lifetime ago. I'm too young remember that but it sounds like the history of this the, the hurricanes in particular are embracing it and it may actually influence saturday's game are we right they're trying mike they really are wide receiver braxton barrios who's a senior said i mean you know this is a big deal because they made a 30 for 30 about it referencing <laughs> the catholic versus convicts documentary which is like saying like yeah the titanic was a big deal they made that movie with you know, the yeah. don't ask him look, <laughs> we, we know that this is a big deal right but in, in Barrios' defense, you know, Notre Dame hasn't played here since 1989. He was like negative six at that time. But when it comes to swagger, when it comes to understanding the history of this organization, there are exactly the right people around. Mark Richt, for instance, the head coach, played in the 1980s during the heat of this rivalry. Ed Reed, you mentioned, was here. He actually was sitting in defensive meetings. The alumni are starting to come around. You're feeling the buzz on this campus that certainly existed at the height of Hurricanes football. No, they're not there yet, but what they're doing is representing that they believe that they shouldn't just be the seventh ranked team in the country, that they should be higher than that. And if they beat Notre Dame, they can do exactly that by vaulting themselves there. But guys, this is going to be a huge, huge challenge. Notre Dame has such a good running attack, such a good offensive line. Rick said he knows that. He wants to keep his players very aware that this is still a very important football game. They're allowed to get excited, but make sure that they focus on the task. And that is one game at a time. It might be a cliche, but it's an important one right here on this campus, guys. Saturday cannot get here fast enough, Jeff Darlington. We appreciate it. How much do you drink a day? I said, I'll drink at least uh, 10 beers and probably five mixed drinks. He said, well, how many days a week do that? I said, every day. He said, well, how do you, what do you mean every day? I said, I said, I work every day. I drink the beer in the car, I get to the hotel, and I drink vodka. He came out of his chair like that. You drink every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and you've been doing that for how long? I said, uh, well, let me see, it's 1989. I started in 72. Uh, you do the math, almost 20 years. He said, that's not possible. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Liver must be made of kryptonite. That was an awesome documentary. Uh, meanwhile, Jalen Ramsey out here channeling his inner Ric Flair, <laughs> capping on A.J. Green. I told him almost every play that he was weak. And he was soft. That demonstrate facts. He just couldn't handle the truth. It was facts. Um, told him that his time almost up. Uh, told him that it was easy. Which it was. He had one catch for six yards. Uh, I was just out there spitting facts to him. <laughs> I mean, your time is almost, your time as an elite receiver is over. Like, wow. What? That, that quick? I mean, he got a week? Whatever you said, got man. it. Man. <laughs> I, I see why. Dion's cloth with that trash talking game. Well, I see why he wound up, you know, kind of putting him in the joke. Hold on. I can see why he would get upset Kevin about Garnett that. Like, you're cancer to your, this league and your team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many are taking advantage of Twitter's new 280 character limit, notably the Yankees. <laughs> Taking the opportunity to tweet out all their World Series and the Patriots for trying to tweet out all of Tom Brady's wins. Good luck with that. 
Even uh, good old Paul Feinbaum got in on the fun too. Personally, I don't tweet that much anyway. I but I'm probably not going to. I'm going to tweet it at 140 out of habit. Right. I never was a twit longer person anyway. The, the actor who plays uh, Clay uh, Davis, mm-hmm. he had a great tweet. You can get oh, that one. Oh, he did? Yeah. yeah. That's perfect. Um, meanwhile, LeBron continues to confuse everyone with his cryptic tweets and his explanation didn't help clear anything up. I like Arthur. <laughs> That's okay, right? Mm-hmm. All right? Told you not to. Don't even try to figure this out. Don't I even like try Arthur. to figure this out. I mean, but the, you could have tweeted any photo. You, he doesn't do anything. He knows yeah. what's going to happen, especially in but the why media. why fist? Yeah. Because he knows that we're going to sit here and try to dissect and try to determine some meaning from this, right? Eagles fan. <laughs> Forget the Super Bowl this year. Oh, no. Three-peat. <laughs> With a tattoo to prove it. So if he's right one of those years. That's bold. Is it still, does he get credit? Uh, no. Okay. He, he, didn't, he didn't say this year. And he, he said three-peat. And when ESPN.com has got Carson Wentz as the halfway point MVP, or whatever that's worth. No, I'm saying he didn't say, Jasmine, Philly oh. person. I didn't say he, he didn't say this what year. What did Philly say? I said Our he producer. didn't only say this year. Okay. Because the question was, if he only got one right, does he get credit? I said no, because he said three years, Jasmine. We got the, we got the, the queen of Philly in our ear. All right. Well, I already right. shouted out to Sixers. What you want from me? <laughs> uh, interesting development regarding Jerry Jones' flip phone uh, occurred when he was asked about being deposed in the Colin Kaepernick collusion case. Shereen Williams told us the flip phone is now gone. Is that true? The they made they forced you to upgrade, Jerry? Not because of this Catholic issue, it's not gone. I'll assure you that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but, but you, you switched over no, technology. I did, yes, and uh, uh, it, it certainly was it was time for that. But uh, for a long time, uh, me and all the other drug dealers in Dallas had that flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> did he say other drug dealers? What are you trying to say, Mike? Oh, what was he trying to say? <laughs> Speaking of the wire, that was a burner phone. <laughs> well, you know, the whole reason why you have a flip phone is no cloud on there. Mm. And so, therefore, you're, you don't have to worry about your data being stolen. You don't have to worry about it being saved, stored. Somebody picks you. up your phone. Well, it's it's I, not there. It's great to have jokes now, but I wonder if they're going to be laughing once collusion is actually proved. If and when that actually happens, which mm. we or know it the, exists. Will the NFL be laughing when he sues them? You gotta, he, he sold it. You got, oh, you got to make this. Look at Lance. <laughs> Look at Lance. Hey, this is Pistons tonight, Jamel. Pistons. Alonzo Ball is a big story. Uh, Jeff Goodman, when you add up the pressure of being the second pick, his recent shooting struggles, his dad's omnipresence, and now his brother's shoplifting arrest in China, Jeff, at what point, if any, do the Lakers start to worry about Alonzo's mindset behind that stoicism? They are not worried at all, Michael. I mean, this kid is unflappable, or at least he looks it. You know, everything he dealt with last year in the NCAA tournament with his mother, Tina, having the stroke, uh, being sick in the hospital. Now he's dealing with this with his brother being arrested in China. Hasn't spoke to anybody from his family, he told us. And he's excited and focused about Kyrie Irving. Now Luke Walton and the staff showed him tape. Two wins. It's about paint touches. He got in the paint 21 times a game. Two losses, only nine times. They want him to be aggressive, get into the paint. Minnesota at Golden State, bit of a downer though, because KD has a left thigh contusion. Jamel will not play against the T-Wolves. 
He's got five 40-point games against the Wolves, most of any player, considered day-to-day. Uh, do the Wolves make it six straight tonight? I think that they do. Uh, not having KD is a big loss, even though we know uh, Golden State, obviously, losing, yeah, losing with talent. But uh, still, I think that the T-Wolves, they're on a roll, so I expect them to kind of win. No. I mean, no? better, defensively especially. But this is one of those nights where even without KD, the Warriors remind them how far they have to go mm-hmm. when it comes to being you know, able to contend with the elite in the Western Conference. So Steph Curry, he's, uh, he's been their most valuable player statistically yes. this year. Yeah. Uh, I think he picks up the slack. There's certainly no lack of talent on Golden State, even without KD. Warriors are, I mean, excuse me, Wolves are getting better. But I don't think they're going to beat Golden State in Golden State tonight. Uh, Thunder fell to the Kings last night. Third straight loss. They 0-5 against the Western Conference I couldn't believe Conference that when team. I saw that set. Yeah, are you worried about OKC at all? I'm not worried about it. I'm sure they'll want round in the form. I mean, look, we all knew that it was going to take them some time to mm-hmm. kind of develop their chemistry, figure out uh, how all the parts fit together. So I don't see anything that's completely disconcerting. On the bright side, I think they're the second-best defense in the mm-hmm. league. They certainly gave up a big lead to the Kings. I think they'll figure out how not to just exchange ISO possessions yeah. as the year goes on. We've seen so many, you know, dream teams get together and take a while to gel. Before we call a day, who had a good day tonight? All right. Uh, Shout-out to the Division One student-athletes in nearly all sports and demographics who improved their graduation rates and most notably for African-Americans in all sports, three percentage point increase. African-American women's basketball players graduating at a 90% clip. See, I told you women, always smarter than y'all. Sure. <laughs> uh, Josh Gordon, who hasn't seen game action since the end of 2014, back at the Browns facility, spoke today to the media for the first time, saying his goal is to be the best receiver of all time. Still only 26 years old. Uh, since he's clean and sober, more important. It's going to be hard to do that in Cleveland with all those different quarterbacks, which cost 1,600 yards a couple of years ago. That's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN News. Countdown is next. We'll see you tomorrow.